Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Highway to Hail, a podcast brought to you by the Michigan Daily and the Michigan Daily Sports Section. I'm your host, Paul Nasser. With the baseball season well underway and the team now six games into conference play, the baseball beat joins the pod to discuss the season thus far. Enjoy. All right, we got the baseball beat here. Join us today, uh, David, Ian, Jake, and Zane. Uh, and I'm going to start us off with a little icebreaker. So spring has finally sprung. Uh, new season is here. So if you guys were to create your own season of weather, what would it be called? And what kind of weather would we have? Um, David, can I start us off? Yeah. Um, I'd probably uh, – I'd call it Seattle. And okay. it would be nonstop, it, kind of like how it is right now as we're recording, kind of overcast, little little warm, not too chilly, not too warm, uh, okay. not super rainy, but, you know, just the kind of weather you would uh, hang out inside, watch a movie or something. Yeah, just call it Seattle. Okay, okay. Personally, I think the four seasons we currently have are perfect, and I think they're all great in their own ways. But I feel the distribution has been really skewed. I think uh-huh. we need a year 2.0. You know, okay. I think you know, you start off in January, and you got like three months of spring weather. You know, nice. It's like a little cool. You know, flowers are coming up. You know, everything's all chill. And then you got summer from like what's that? Like April through like September. Okay. And then you got like actual fall weather, not like the Michigan fall weather where it gets too cold and everything's miserable. It's like nice fall weather. You know, like 50s, 60s. Trees are pretty. Everything going on from September through November, and then winter is only December. And after okay. New Year's, it's just done back up to 60, 70 degrees. Okay, that's fun. That's fun. I like that. That's very complicated. <laughs> I think I think my weather would just be called vibey. It is essentially clear skies, sun out, and 70 degrees every day. No rain, no snow, no overcast, no clouds even, just straight vibes everyone outside chilling i just i think that's perfect and calms me whenever it's that weather outside also known as the bay sure yeah, like a, we have a long drought coming so stock up on your wheat um, i think i'll just call mine like orange or something because um i want it to be in the perpetual state of the leaves turning like orange but oh, like that's actually know, like deep and heartfelt yeah <laughs> sure that only lasts like a week in real life, but it just lasts a couple months. It would always be like 60 and sunny, you know, pretty nice to be out, but not crazy. But I think that, that would just look cool if it was like that for like a really long time, you know. Nice. Well, fun answers, guys. Um, oof, what would I do, though? Usually, you know, I have an answer prepared for Icebreaker. I forgot I need to answer, too. Um, I'm probably going to go with like a mix of all your seasons because all your guys' seasons were so awesome. And I'm going to call it the Baseball Beat. Season. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> you know, you know how it is. Speaking of seasons, speaking of baseball, we do have a baseball season underway, and uh, the baseball team has, has been playing actually for what almost like two months now. Yeah. Um. So let's just fill us in, guys. What can I get some key takeaways of just what you've seen so far? Maybe some matchups that have surprised you. Um. Any anything you could point at that uh, could get us acclimated with the season so far? 
Um, whoever wants to start, you know, let's, let's take it away. Let's get started. So, yeah, I mean, the baseball season's been very up and down. Uh, they're right now at 17-15 overall. Mm-hmm. And as they've started Big Ten play, they're 3-3 three and three in the conference. So, as you could say, it's a very average season. There have been some highs, some lows. The season actually started pretty promising from our opinions. The team almost beat Texas Tech and lost 7-6 in the final inning. And then actually went on, beat Kansas State pretty pretty handedly, beat UT Arlington, Seton, Seton Hall, went on a pretty big win streak. And then when they got to their next ranked matchup, they did lose to Vanderbilt very similarly to Texas Tech in the final inning 5-4. So there were although they lost both of those games, from our opinions, they played very hard eight innings and just couldn't close out. So we believe when they started Big Ten play, they would be – very competitive, guys. Uh, I don't know. I I guess it would depend. It was somebody that was talking with me, Paul, before yeah. we record, started recording. If you looked exclusively at the lineup stats, the batting lineup stats, you would wonder why there are only two games over 500. But if you were looking at the pitching stats exclusively, you would wonder why they're over 500 at all. Um, I think... I think it's true that the batting has been performing, um, at least until very recently. They were playing their hearts out. Um, I don't know if I could say the same thing about the pitching. Um, like, you know, those two ranked matchups you mentioned, Texas Tech and Vanderbilt, um, those weren't just, you know, accidental losses or like, oh, you know, they, they got lucky winning it. That was very firmly on the pitching, and it was very firmly on one pitcher in particular, Willie Weiss. Um, he gave up, I think it was a homer in the Texas Tech game that ended up giving them the lead, and then he ended up, he, he uh, had a wild pitch to mm-hmm. walk off on the Vanderbilt game. And, um, yeah, I guess, I don't know if I'd call it hard fought as much as one side is doing their jobs and the other side isn't. This season has definitely been uh, who can match more for the majority of the games. It's all, especially on the roads and high score. I've noticed uh, in a lot of the home games, it's been a lot more low scoring. Low score, especially, you know, they got uh, Conor Halloran, who's been, in my opinion, their ace. He's a sophomore pitcher. Sophomore pitcher, but he's looked phenomenal in all of his home starts. But whenever he's on the mound uh, at home, the bats just shut down and you get like a 2-1 game. Which yeah, it's it's uh, kind of interesting to see compared to how the uh, hitting has done the rest of the season. But uh, the other thing you have to consider, though, like the hitting has been very good. But it, it seems that in general, college baseball has been very high scoring this season. So mm-hmm. it's like when you look at a lot of their stats, it's like they're solid, but they're not even top tier. Even though like when you look at the raw numbers, if you were to put it through like a major league perspective, it's like whoa, they're really hitting the ball. But it's just kind of a, a different environment mm-hmm. uh, currently. So their pitching woes really do stand out. And I think the biggest issue for the team is the lack of depth with the pitchers. They do have a handful of solid, reliable pitchers that usually get the job done very effectively. But it's only like arguably four to five guys. And beyond that, they don't really have anyone. And that's how they lose games. Yeah, I think that the lack of depth is really emphasized when you look at their past five midweek games. Um so obviously they roll out three starters in O'Halloran, Weston, Denner every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But they're zero and five in their last five midweek games. That does include close loss to Vandy, but in their last four they've gotten blown out 
by Notre Dame, lost to Purdue, Fort Wayne, and Oakland, and Xavier. And that, especially that three-game stretch right there, is just not what you would expect from a team that started the season off like they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main problem that's persisted throughout those midweek games is that they really don't have a guy they keep in through the whole game. You know, usually they start Walker Cleveland. Most of the time he he has some solid outings, but just this past week against Notre Dame, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was only through the 16 straight balls. Yeah. Um, yep. And then when he was pulled, they got the grand slam. It was just a mess. So they just have not, as you said, had con- consistent depth. And a lot of times I feel like we see that on Sundays, um, the last couple Sundays, uh, it was 11-10 against Cal State Fortune. They won. They gave up 10 runs. They gave up 10 runs to Iowa that other Sunday. And, um, you know, the Nebraska game was decent, but they haven't really been able to shut teams down usually on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Probably the worst example was against Louisville when they lost 13-1 to mm-hmm. um, in a doubleheader. But I think that they're just going to need, if they really want to elevate themselves, they need more pitchers to step up like Connor O'Halloran has done throughout the season. Nice. I just have a, I got two people getting Chipotle for me, so I'm very excited for that. Mm-hmm. I want. I have a quick side note. Did you mention Michigan struggling to bat at home? Yes. So we've seen like this is an inconsistent team. Bangs with their strength. They come to Ann Arbor and they're starting to hit. Has this is this been something that the teams address? Has this? What are you guys seeing there? Is this just kind of like random? What's going on there? Just a quick side note for that. It's 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 just it's it's interesting to me because. Consistently on the road, they're putting up like pretty big run totals. There have not been very many games where they just get like shut down. Mm-hmm. But they go home. I think there's only been like three home games where the offense has like really exploded. Mm-hmm. Like in almost all the whole home games, it's kind of close. They're like kept relatively down. I, mean, I have no explanations of why that might be. Uh, the team wasn't really giving explanations. It might I, just be luck. But. I mean, I mean, look, it's it's of course could be speculation, but. It's cold in Michigan, yeah. and they've played a lot of games on the road in warmer climates. Yeah. And in yeah. baseball, the ball travels farther when it's warmer. Yeah. That's definitely a, a number one. Number two, as Backage has told us even, they're hitting the ball hard everywhere. And when you're struggling to hit, you're trying to hit the ball even harder, and you're trying to just put up runs. And so I feel like when they're home, they're really trying to give the home crowd big run totals, but they're just coming short every time. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hitting a lot of balls deep in the outfield, a lot of hard hit balls, you know, line drives, whatever. They're just not falling. And mm-hmm. Backage even acknowledged this, and we've put this in many of our articles too. The reason, you know, there's something to be said about adrenaline, people cheering for you, you want to hit the big home run, you just can't get it there. And there has just been a very big lack of home run balls, big – when they've scored these multiple run games, it's more of a carousel kind of offensive attitude where we're going to get the guy on, next guy's going to score me. When they start struggling offensively, you recognize it's because they're hitting a lot of pop flyouts. They're striking out a lot. It's because they're trying to do it on their own. And when a team offensively is struggling, like the way this Michigan baseball team is struggling right now, those are the t- typical things you see from a team. Mm-hmm. I think I just – I would say it was the weather as well. I mean, it's been cold and windy or whatever, but, I mean, Iowa beat them 10-2. And so, and there have been other instances, I think, you know, Purdue-Fort Wayne, who, by the way, 8-22, and by far the worst team they've played all season, um, beat them 6-3. So, there's, I mean, the, in- the interesting thing is it's not a common thread 
Like, it's not, oh, Michigan's not scoring enough runs, but it's okay because the opposing team is. It's not really the cult. I, I think it is more about that frustration of they're trying to win the game in every at-bat. Yes. And You're being selfish. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I would say they're tr- they're all trying to be the hero. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, because we saw early on in the season, Matt Fry, he was drawing walks all the time. He had a really good batting average and whatever. Once I got home, he started swinging more. And when he started swinging more, he started getting more whiffs. His batting average went down, and he just hasn't been the same player since. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is the frustration aspect. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I want to add on, uh, talk about the walks especially, because I think that has actually kind of been a big theme for the team throughout the season. Uh, like Peg just said, uh, he's given the pitchers the goal of throwing 60% strikes in a game. Because okay? they really struggled with throw strikes early in the season. That's how they lost a lot of early games, just given too many free passes. And if you look uh, last weekend uh, against Cal State Fullerton, they outstripped them and walked. The, the offense was walking all the time, taking their bases whereas the pitchers were able to really clamp down on that, and they just weren't walking mm-hmm. uh, the other team. But then in Notre Dame, they had 12 walks and two hit by pitches. That's 14 uh, yeah. just free base runners, yeah. 14 not outs uh, that you just really can't afford to give up, and that's really been one of their struggles. Yeah, and those, those little things always can be recipes for disaster. Obviously, we've spoken a lot about mediocreness from this team's struggles. So as a, as a beat, you guys go in person to a lot of these games, uh, maybe a lot of our listeners haven't had the chance to. What are you seeing, like, from the body language of the players? What are you seeing? Does it look like they're a team who is really on the ropes right now? Or do they do they look like a team who, who's competing and who believes that, that better days are ahead? What are you guys seeing just from, from the team on the field, Zane? Um, so back when they were in kind of that five-game, one-and-four slump last week, they did look a lot more dejected than I've usually seen them. Um, against Cal State Fullerton, when they swept – they did look better. It looked like they got a lot of their energy back. You know, at the end of the third game on Sunday, they had a Gatorade bath, dog pile. Mm-hmm. It looks like they've kind of had um, a rebirth of the energy recently, but it's still not the same as what it was earlier in the season, I think. Um, I mean, we were able to watch some of those away games, and in those, it looked like they were a lot more of a team than they were when they were in that slump. But I, I don't think – I think that it will improve. Um, especially in these next couple of series when they're playing rivalry opponents that they're not they're not necessarily the best competition they've played all season. I think that it's a good opportunity to get rejuvenated and kind of get back to what they were earlier. And I, I'll add on to that um, because earlier in the season, I had the opportunity to go in person um, for a three-game stretch when they were down in Greenville, North Carolina. And um, our listeners might not really know anything about East Carolina University, but their baseball team is their biggest sport mm-hmm. at their college. And the um, the fan section in the outfield is called the Jungle. And it's called Jungle because they get so rowdy that it's like a jungle. I mean, <laughs> and it's pretty aptly named. Um, but what I noticed in those games was, especially in the one game where it was East Carolina-Michigan, was that... The dugout of Michigan was so riled up, not like in a bad way riled up, but like, you got know, the pump, going, yeah, yeah, they got the energy going. They were all about the game. Like it was, it got to a point where they almost made it their home crowd based on their own energy of the game. And I mentioned this in my column, shout out, plug. Um, but <laughs> these days, 
at least before the Cal State Fullerton series, it was hard to see whether or not Ray Fisher was their home stadium. They were, it, we noted this in the press box a couple of times. There were several games where the opposing dugout was louder. It bell to bell than the Michigan dugout. And they were at home. There were situations where the softball dugouts across exactly. the entire field, you know, and if you yeah. have not been to Michigan before, the way you have Ray Fisher Stadium where the baseball team plays, and then past the outfield, you have a softball stadium. And softball teams are always very loud. Both, you know, like most of the noise comes from the teams are always cheering. They have chants. It's really cool, really energetic. You look at that, and then you look at the teams playing at Ray Fisher, and there's there's no comparison. And you could legitimately hear the exact words that the softball girls were saying all the way on their field because while the game was occurring for the baseball team because it was just so quiet. Yeah. And you, you take notice of that, especially mm-hmm. when you're sitting in the press box yeah. watching multiple games at a time mm-hmm. now throughout a season – you just see if, if a team that's not even on that field is being louder than than that team itself. Like, mm-hmm. what are you supposed to do in that situation as a fan or even as a player? Exactly. And when we're talking about these inner team dynamics that comes to fruition, we're looking at things like uh, like body language and energy. One thing this team has been infused with is a handful of transfers. Do you guys want to kind of tell me about them a little bit? Have they been a bright spot, or have they like yeah, Jake? You want to just start talking about the transfers? What's going on there? Yeah, honestly, the transfers have been the only reason that they're even putting up these numbers, like these, these positive numbers, I should say. Mm-hmm. You have guys like uh, grad transfers, Joe Stewart and Matt Fry. Uh, Joe Stewart plays outfield, center field, came from Michigan State, Matt Fry, third baseman from Dayton. Um, two huge bright spots for the team. I want to say Stewart's batting, what is he batting now? 332. 330, 331, and Fry is um, batting 260, but at a time he was batting in the 330s as well. Yeah. He's taking a little bit of dip offensively. But those two guys are batting 2-3 in the lineup most mm-hmm. games. And that is a big spark offensively when you have a guy like Clark Elliott, who's, all, who's the right fielder for this team, who's one of the top prospects for the Big Ten right now. Also a huge bright spot, but he's on transfer. When you have that one, two, three, that's why they put up 10 runs a game sometimes. But, I had said, a lot of the offense runs through those three guys. Mm-hmm. So when, as I said, Matt Fry is in a little bit of a slump right now, or Joe Stewart has kind of moved around the lineup for some reason, moving down to sixth and seventh for some games. When you have this fluctuation – the offense takes a dip, and without the offense, the pitching just can't match up for it. And that is a big thing we've meant, uh, noticed. I know there's a few other transfers you guys can touch on as well, but those two guys are just the two most notable ones, in my opinion. Yeah, and that is, uh, that's, again, touches on one of the major issues for the team. Uh, update, my Chipotle has arrived. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> is They do just generally have a lack of depth, and uh, the graduate transfers have seriously helped those issues. You see a lot of those guys, Matt Pride, Joe Stewart, you also have... Um, Alex Veggie uh, Johnson has uh, played second base and uh, has uh, taken a good amount of at bats. Who, uh, like Price, is also from Davidson. Uh, like, then you have Banner Morrill. Jack Banner Morrill. Yeah. He transfers to yes. senior. Yes, transfers from Umsqua Community College. Plays to playing first base, right? Where's he from? Yeah, he was from Michigan. He played one season at Umsqua. He came back. Okay, so yeah. so he came, but he, he spent a season at Community College, yeah. um, Juco. Uh, and he, he came back, uh, but he's been playing a lot of first base now because the team really has a lack of first baseman. So, um, as we said, Vinnie Johnson, not a great season, batting 111. 111, and that's been pretty consistent. But uh, Vander Morrill has been batting, you know, he's, he's actually been pretty pretty good, and Isaiah wants to touch a little bit on it too. Yeah, I mean, Vinnie Johnson did get that game-winning, um, you know, not really see. He just he went home after that wild pitch and got the win. But other than that, we haven't really seen much from him. Uh, Cal State 4-2 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but they've really been experimenting a lot with that ninth hitter in the rotation uh, or in the batting lineup for the whole season. And lately it looks like they've settled on Jordan Rogers, but I wouldn't be surprised if they still try throwing new guys out there. We've seen Dylan Stanton a decent amount. We saw Brandon Lawrence for a couple games. Um, but until a ninth guy really digs his foot in the ground, uh, we still don't really know who is batting ninth. And, I mean, looking at the next year, if so many guys are going to graduate, I'm not sure how that's going to go for them because the lack of depth in hitting is really apparent in most games. Yeah, that's really been, like, the biggest with, like, the lack of depth on, like, both sides. I talked about pitching earlier, but it is, like, the lack of a ninth guy. And, like, with the midweeks games, which they're 0-5 in the last five, that's been their experimentation time. It's, like, non-conference games. Like, not serious that they're not doing their uh, main trio of pitchers. They're trying out new people. They're, like, splicing different guys in the lineup, and it has not worked. They just don't really have the depth pieces necessary for sustained success, it seems. But I do also want to quickly back on the transfers. One last point. You know, we've been talking about transfers in the batting order, but we also say, you know, the, I, in my opinion, a big issue for the pitching is they didn't have any transfers. They stuck with who they had, and they lost – you know, they lost a starter from last season. They lost a lot of relief pitchers. They brought back a guy like Willie Weiss, sure, and he was supposed to, you know, be in some hybrid starting relief role. It didn't work out so far this season. They honestly don't have the most amount of depth, but even just experience pitching-wise, and because they didn't go to the transfer portal to get pitchers. They really thought the pitchers, but who they had worked, where, as you notice from the offense, the only a big, big part of the reason why the offense at least puts up runs is because of the transfers. If they didn't have the transfers right now, this offense would be scoring one to two runs a game max with who they have. So I think, as you were trying to talk about next year going forward, the transfers have worked out offensively. They're probably going to go out, need to go out and get more transfers on the offensive side. But Backage really should experiment in getting transfers on the pitching side of things too because having that experience, having that veteran leadership – has proven to be successful, not really just for Michigan, but for other teams, you know, around college baseball. I would go so far as to say, uh, Steve Merriman, pitching coach. I don't know if he's it for those guys. Um, just in terms of who, who's the guy who was before him, the guy, who, uh, yeah, Chris Fetter, I believe. Chris Fetter's yeah, out Chris Fetter, Fetter, the Tigers. He got hired by the Tigers, and they brought in Steve Merriman. And uh, in the season since Steve Merriman has been hired as pitching coach, you can see a very marked decline in their pitching. Which, granted, Chris Better, one of the better pitching coaches out there, especially in college at the time. And now he's in the MLB for a reason. Yeah, and um, Steve Merriman, I would say, I I feel bad about calling for a uh, departure <laughs> in a job search, but I think if if Backage is serious about getting this pitching back to where it was that got him to the 2019 World Series, I think it has to start at the top. I think it has to start with Merriman. Nice strong take there from David to end us. We have very little time left, so if we go around the horn very quickly, and if you guys want to share your predictions for how the rest of this Big Ten season is going to go, where they're going to finish on the standings, something real quick, um, you know, let me know. What do you think? Oh, Jake, where do you see it? Zane, um, All right, Zane, sorry, real quick, real quick. Where do you see this thing ending up for the season? Uh, I mean, they're seventh right now, if I'm not mistaken. I could see their ceiling being fourth or fifth or something, but I think realistically staying around sixth or seventh is probably what's going to happen. I, I agree. I mean, only eight teams make the Big Ten tournament. They'll be in the Big Ten tournament, but they're going to be at the bottom of the standings, and they're really going to need to step it up to compete in the Big Ten. And I, I still say they're probably going to finish sixth in the Big Ten rankings, possibly seventh, and just squeak into the Big Ten tournament. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's about where I'm at, mid-table lower end of the Big Ten tournament just because, like, they're not, uh, like, a bad team, but they clearly just don't have the depth to, like, keep going and push through and go on a run here at the end. I think, they're, uh, I think their ceiling is where they are now. Their floor is out entirely. 
Um, I'd say forget the NCAAs. Their focus is making a postseason bid at all. All right, and I say uh, from what what I've heard, pretty bad prognosis here. No depth, bad pitching. They will not make the Big Ten tournament. That's my take. Baseball beat, really appreciate you guys coming in. Thank you. Uh, we'll appreciate see you. That'll do it for this week's episode of Highway to Hail. Thanks to the Baseball Beat for joining me, and an additional thanks to Jimmy Malone for editing this podcast. As always, to read all of our content as the season progresses, head to our website at michigandaily.com backslash sports. Until next time, see ya. See ya.